Hello, and welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your replacement guest, Josh. And we're your hosts, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 60. We're getting and up there what in, an episode it is. Yeah, we're already. getting up there in the numbers. Should we explain how this came to be? Uh, I don't think we need to. <laughs> well, all we need to say is that I was not the intended guest. No, but, you know. But I'm saying there's no names given. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> we did, we did, we, you had a guest. Or guests, they didn't show up. I Josh is, Josh is standing in for us. Standing today. in yeah. as though someone has something to say to some electrical engineers. Well, yeah. and, and and Josh has a lot of very interesting uh, things to share with us today. Yeah, uh, and a pretty interesting past. So yeah, so guess uh, yeah, our guest this week is is Josh. Um, we're not allowed to say his last name. He's Josh. Um, <laughs> he's owner of Abadad Productions. Castle Bravo Studios, founder of Veer Technologies, uh, owner of the Space Echo RE201 that's in our lab, mm. and happens to record the map as his night job. And this is actually the Thursday first time night, we... Thursday night job. Yeah, Thursday night job. We actually <laughs> had the chairs turned around, and so we're facing the amazing towers of stereo and audio recording equipment. <laughs> you know, I, I think I think you're, we've taken some ha- handful of pictures of these. We need to we need to show some more pictures of these because yeah. the, uh, these racks are fairly uh, unique, I would say. And it, this just makes a good occasion to do that, I suppose. Yes, yeah. please. Uh, Actually, before we jump into any technical stuff, oh, okay. So, was there anything in that description, Josh, that I missed? <laughs> Probably a ton, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, my. Life story and identity is reducible into slightly more than one sentence, but um, no, uh, the, I, I, I have no, I have nothing of interest about me to most likely to your listeners. So the, the peak- except that I am, I, I like to say that I am an engineer, which, like as we were talking before the podcast, is a ridiculous term to self-apply when you compare the body of knowledge I have with the body of knowledge that you guys in many of your listeners have. Ooh, you, you want to yeah. unpack that a little bit? Well, it just that, that engineering in, in the academic sense, in the sense that you were both trained as electrical engineers, uh, maintains that you are able to create, essentially from scratch, hardware that does stuff. And I am a, a sound engineer, among the other things I do in the studio, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> that means that I I use the stuff that people like you guys actually engineered, and I play with it. That's well, uh, my view of you know this is actually not what we're going to talk about on the podcast. But my view of what engineering is, it might differ from what like you know Webster Dictionary says or whatever. But it's the practical application of a science is what engineering is. So depending on what what discipline you are is what realm of science you're in and you could probably argue that you're applying audio science Absolutely. in a practical way i i you know someone in the comments is going to argue oh no you have to have an accredited oh, let blah, him, blah, let blah. Him. let's squab let's squab yeah. commenter you know uh, so so uh, okay <laughs> in in an in an engineering sense uh, i i kind of see it as one who creates makes or modifies uh utilizing whatever their background is. So that might be the rigors of mathematics, or that may be a handful of tools that some other engineer made. Because what you were just saying, you know, you created, you create 
uh, music and, and sound and, and art using uh, a bunch of tools that engineers make. Well, so do Parker and I. Yeah, like and I, so, I, I so I it kind of seems like the same the thing. CAD software that I use every day. Right. So I, I make stuff in the with it, but right. I don't. I didn't yeah, you have to use someone else's tools. That's right. I like how I like how our definitions got progressively more and more open to where yours is create, make, and modify, which really would allow me to say that in, in the mornings I engineer bowel movements. Uh, absolutely, uh, or, your, I, or, or your or your cereal bowl. <laughs> yes, I engineered <laughs> breakfast, breakfast this engineered morning. <laughs> <laughs> I engineered people yeah. when I had children. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Okay, so um, Josh. I know this is going to be like a huge, like windy road or whatever, but um, a long and, a and concise, windy road? In a concise way, how did you get started doing audio recording or making music and that kind of stuff? Well, making music was sort of the fir- the, the the gateway drug to Studioville. Um, I my dad is a a composer and a conductor and. Uh, and just sort of a renaissance man and and i displayed an aptitude for the piano pretty early on and so it was kind of on that track and known as the little you know little music nerd and i remember the first time i think it was about eight i had a, a dual cassette deck uh tape recorder and i had a, a little keyboard there was a little keyboard in my dad's office office with about nine terrible FM synthesis sounds <laughs> and I put down one track uh, on a on one tape and then put that tape in the playback deck and played it back as and recorded another layer and that was officially my first production and I, I remember thinking like this is magic this is just totally I cannot believe that I may I felt like a time machine like that I was able to to do that and um, so then uh, continue with music uh, took drum lessons, guitar lessons, played in bands, all that stuff. And then when I was 14, um, I, I was, I won't say hired as much as humored by <laughs> an older guy I knew who was recording a, a, an album and he asked me to come and play piano on it. And I came into the studio and it was a studio down, uh, just north of downtown Houston here. And I sit down at the piano and there's this guy on the other side of this piece of glass and he's telling me what to do and he's clearly making all the money and I, I'm like, what are you doing? And he said, I'm a producer. Uh, I'm producing you. I'm telling telling you what to do. Um, and that was the moment where I said, okay, that's for me. I'd kind of I already make that determined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I still have not figured out how to make his mouth. Um, I, I, I definitely... Uh, felt at that point that I was way more interested in being in the studio than I was in performing live. That the idea of playing the same songs or just, you know, slightly varied versions of the same song every night had held no interest for me. And and coming into uh, a place where you can't mess up. You can't mess up in the studio. I mean, you can. You just get to start over and do it again and, until you until you create exactly what you hear in your head. And, and that's a kind of magical thing. So early on, I realized I'm not going to be able to afford to hire engineers and studios all the time to make the music that I want to make that I needed to learn, um, about it myself. And so I, I picked up, um, I picked up things from different engineers and, uh, kind of lived for uh, a little while at a studio in New York, um, uh, sleeping under a console and, 
Um, and, and then I married a sound engineer, uh, an incredible one, um, trained at the original sound engineering school in London. And so engineering was never the initial thing. It was more to support, um, my, my desire to make music, but it, it's become as much of a passion as everything else. So, so one thing you mentioned is you're not allowed to mess up or you're allowed to mess up in a studio. That's mm-hmm. slightly incorrect because this podcast is recorded in a studio and we record everything. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. But we, I mean, we have, we do, um, well, that's just, I guess we just, that's the way you, you technically are producing this podcast and that's how you choose to do it. I'll put it this way is, um, we own our mistakes on, on the podcast. So put it this way. If I say something I don't like in this episode, I'm going to edit it out later (laughs) because I can. Well, but 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 that's that's somewhat. I mean, He's it's, it's, it's been a requirement button. in the in the music industry for for however long that recordings are, are flawless. They are they are effectively perfect, especially nowadays. There is zero tolerance for anything that is less than perfect. Well, and the and the concept of undo existed in the recording studio and in movie studios long before computers even existed. It's kind of like the the birthplace of undo is is in a magnetic tape even yeah <laughs> because even with even with painting you can't re, you know if you have a bad brush stroke i mean you you're gonna correcting it is gonna still like <clears throat> there's no perfectly non-destructive uh thing besides you know kind of st- studio arts mm-hmm. but but yeah but i mean nowadays well not even nowadays but but it's for 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 many 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 years it's been so easy to just trash something that you don't like or to punch in and cover up something that you don't like uh it, it that's that's not much of a manual process anymore that's a a slap of the space bar and you right. covered up everything right right i mean i i i don't like if i'm playing uh, uh an overdub or something i i mean i will go through i mean within 10 seconds like four or five just like like as soon as i come in i don't like it just ba-bam do it again yeah no, nope ba-bam like it's yeah, yeah. you know two two very quick shortcut keys and i and i start over it's great <laughs> um so i guess i'm gonna go down the list of of what we have for you um <laughs> abadad productions what is it what do you do for it you're the owner of it i am um Technically, it's been my my uh, main business since I was 16, and my mom. I didn't have my driver's license yet. My mom drove me down to um, the uh, the registrar's office, and I got my DBA as Abadab. Oh, that is that's insane. It, and, and, well, what's insane? That's not necessarily insane. What's insane is that I still, at 34 years old, get checks made out to that company. That well, is insane. And, and every quarter you have to file taxes for it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's well, I have to, but I mean, I do. I do. Of course, you do. I do. Wink, that. wink. That. Um, but I, it, it's just a. It's just a uh, uh, a numb to business uh, for me, and it 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 you know it's, it's like like mu- like music companies like like songwriters they have these publishing companies. Well, mm-hmm. the only reason you have 
a silly publishing company name is because no publisher of note has signed you yet. Yeah, and and when I had to make mine, I actually like leaned into that and the name still again, 16 or 17, the name of my publishing company to this day is one word. Josh Moore owns this space music. <laughs> so I never I, let a 60 year old name anything. So, so, yeah, the so, point so of that. where did Abadad come from then? Uh, it was a word that I made up as a kid that I liked saying. I was always playing with words and syllables, and it's like Abadad. That's cool. <laughs> you know, oh, good. And, and, and Josh, uh, he was the one who filmed the video for the FX Dev board. Yep. And, and when, uh, when it came time to exchange uh, cash for, for Josh's work, our, um, uh, our, our payment department came up to me and they're like, We have a check for a, a, a babadabba. <laughs> Is this is this something we should be doing? And I was like, yes, absolutely. Well, and and now, of course, it sounds somewhat. Um, I'm not going to say Islamic per se, <laughs> but when you written down on paper, it's A B B A D A D. I mean, it, I mean, I think uh, I think Osama bin Laden was captured in Abbottabad, <laughs> Pakistan. Uh, so, anyway. well, does this have anything like? Abba, the band, like the oh, no, no, Abba no, no, dad. No, 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 Because no. <laughs> I'm like, what? This no. is kind of a strange. I was 19 when I got into Abba. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and I think timeline-wise, Veer Technologies. Yep. And it's spelled V33R. Correct. Like Leet. It is Leet. Yeah. So th- this is this is fairly uh, I actually have no idea what this is. This is off the reservation in terms of all the other stuff you've done, right? It is. Yeah, it is because I I I've, I've been a, a producer and a songwriter and and um a, a musician, a player and stuff like that, but I I got really worn down in 2013. Um sorry, 2012 originally is when I first got on this bandwagon. I uh, I had a, a particularly uh, bitter falling out with an artist that I had done a lot of speculative work with, and he he kind of he he, he pulled a fast one on me, and it was it it uh, it, it it was the probably the fourth or fifth time something like that had happened, and we had just had our second son, and I was kind of like, I, what am I doing? Like I, like yes, I've had success, I've been able to make a living, but this is like. And that goes into a much longer conversation about how you become uh, a producer and like you have to balance like doing speculative work with great artists who don't have any money versus doing total BS for people who do. And, and it's, <laughs> it's a, it's a kind of like a recording tough podcasts, crack. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, friendship is another thing entirely. There's the, t- there's the, tri- there's the triangle to I pick gigs. You have music, you have money and you have people. And if any gig has two of the three points in the triangle, you can do the, do the gig. Oh, there you go. Yeah. If you like to hang and the money's good, music can be total crap. If, and so on and that, so that's, forth. That's sure. where ours falls. No. The, the no, no, no. Complete no, 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 no. No, no. Y'all's is a perfect triangle. Oh, yeah. It, it encompasses triangle. everything, It right? does. It does. Oh, you pay. suck up over here. No, you pay your buddies. And I would I would call the the quality of your podcast high. Oh, that's because he records it though. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, that's true. Content. I mean, <laughs> you're not talking about what Kim Kardashian wore to the Grammys last week. Like you can if have, you'd like to. Uh, sure. I mean, if she wore is a she right? 
<laughs> if she wore an LED dress with holy wood. <laughs> It's a she, right? <laughs> Amazing. I have no idea. Okay, that's the name of this episode. It's Kim Kardashian she. is a she, right? <laughs> I have no idea who that is. So, okay, yeah, I don't believe that, but and okay. you got, you know, and nowadays you got to be careful about that kind of stuff. So, do so you? so Veer I mean, technology. Veer, yeah, Veer yeah, technology. Let's, let's so Veer do do? back to Veer let's technology. Veer to okay, yeah. so so uh, yes, I this this painful professional situation happened that night. I saw the Kickstarter for the Kickstarter for the Oculus Rift in its second week, and I went. And I don't. I, I mean, probably some of your listeners would have seen the Kickstarter video. It was kind of insane. Oh, it was, it was crazy! Was, I remember. Y'all remember that? Oh, yeah. actually, um, one of my friends, Palmer Lucky, is one of the founders of that company. So you're, when that went, that, you're when friends that went, with Palmer Lucky? Yeah. You're kidding me. No. Through what? Uh. The, Channel. Um, Josh was like, "Can I be friends?" Too? No, the, no. I, I so will. a long time ago, um, on the Ben Heck forums, we used to hack consoles. You and Palmer were buddies. Or talking hack, on, hacking, on forums. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he like, I would say that Palmer Lucky is. Millions of dollars. <laughs> I, I would, I would say he is the father of virtual reality. I would I would give him the crown of the guy who set the whole thing in motion. I mean, no, he, inv- he, in- he invented, I mean, it would be unbelievable. I would lose my mind. If, oh, sounds if like we need, to, we need to do this. Yeah, and he'd be like, yeah, you got to fly me out here. And it's like, ah. I mean, now the company has, I would say, botched the release of the consumer version. There's, there's, lots, there's, there's lots wanting with what's going on with Oculus. But in terms of what he did in his garage at 19 is insane. Yeah. It's just fully oh, yeah. insane. And, and I think once the history of this whole movement is written, it will, it, that will be more obvious. But anyway, the point is I, I got uh, I, uh, invested in... I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. And I got obsessive and this is, and obviously the, the, the first DK, DK one didn't ship till uh, a good seven months after, um, which I guess is kind of quick for some products. Yeah. It's actually pretty quick for a Kickstarter, (laughs) but it was, it was, it was long enough for me to get really obsessive based on just what was I was hearing about the video and then the early hands-on impressions, I was like, this is going to change everything. Maybe not in the next two or three years, but over time, if you have a fully immersive virtual reality um, experience, you it will change everything. It will obviously change entertainment, change gaming. That's given. It'll change education. It'll change, it'll change social networking. It'll change... Uh, uh, retail. It'll change real estate. It will change literally the way you do everything. It'll be like the computer. It yep. will be built on like any great technological paradigm shift. It'll be built on the other ones before it, and it will and it will I, eventually be a part of everything. I mm-hmm. would say it would, a step further from just the computer. It would be because the computer was a big deal. It. It re- in my opinion, it was really was the no, no, really. It's like the advent <laughs> and of Kim Kardashian's a girl. No, the advent of, <laughs> of the smartphone, here. and I, I call it seriously. I call it the computer phone, and it's because it is a computer that's in your pocket with you everywhere. It has all the world's information accessible. on that can be accessible in terms on of the application. Device. What it changes about your life yes. is. 
in a sense, total. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's why I would change. Yeah. I would agree with you. And, 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 I, and I wrote all these white papers. I did serious research. I found out how am I going to be an artist in this. I want to be a part of this. I want to I do this instead of make records. I want to make records on the side for fun. I don't want to do that as a job. So I, I created um, an idea for a platform that would allow for pretty seamless importing and manipulation of game assets uh, that at first would be for the purpose of of taking existing 3D data, uh, existing 3D assets, and using them for industrial and commercial application, industrial services, stuff like that. So we were starting with uh, real estate. We were going to take CAD from um, design documents and convert into game assets and allow homes to be toured virtually in the Rift before anyone had to build anything. We, I found a full stack developer who blew my mind. He was amazing. He loved the idea. He liked the white papers. Like we, we got along well. Um, and as soon as I got the DK one, he started building it. It was great. Um, then right around the same time I met, or, or well, well, my wife's oldest be- friend from back when she was a kid, she reconnected with her. She and her husband were, were big developers in a suburb of Houston, and they were going to be doing the, um, the, Tiger, the first Tiger Woods signature golf course. And they said, hey, this sounds like something that we could use in the sales of the cottages for Tiger Woods golf course. Would you like to, to put something together for this? And I was like, absolutely. So yeah, the cab. And uh, it took them a lot longer to get it to us than we than we were expecting. And it took us a lot longer to do it because we, you know, the modelers that I that I found were not uh, all that experienced in game assets, and that's a different thing than you know all the you know typical startup um, pains. Diff- pain, yeah. Mm-hmm. But emptied the life savings. Um, spent the better part of, oh, I mean, of a year uh, from the time we, we got the, uh, the platform up and running, working on it. We went and showed it to uh, the developer of the, of the golf course, and they freaked out. They said, this is unbelievable. This is a game changer. And we had some really cool things, man. We, I, I came up with this whole way of, of, of this method of UI based around a smartphone that made it to where everyone from six-year-old Jimmy to grandma could navigate a VR space like instantly and intuitively. Hmm. And I still like think that that's got a lot of value as using a smartphone. We use the the accelerometer uh, to, to track your vector and you keep you basically whether you're standing or sitting, you keep the sort of the bottom of your hand, the bottom of your palm against your your belly, and as you turned your chest, it would it would change the vector, but not change the look wouldn't change the vector. So the first time in my understanding that there was a divorce between look, your head was, look and vector, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it allowed for this really easy way to get around. And it was just, we just, just really used the screen as a, way. as a 
two dimensional joystick yeah. and you, you know, you, your thumb goes, you could put it down anywhere. It doesn't have to be in the center. Anywhere you are is zero point. Thumb goes up, you go forward. The further you go up, the faster you go forward, backwards, the same left, right strafe. And then if you want to rotate, you just turn your body. And so when we did demonstrations, we just put people on stools that swiveled and, and it, it worked great. Um, we did all sorts of cool things. We, we, we let you, uh, point the phone at the sun in the sky and, and tap and grab the phone or grab the sun and move it on its axis. And you could see shadows fall. You could you see how the shadows would fall at different times of the day in the house that you were thinking about buying on the golf course. Like it was killer, man. Anyway, the point is the, the developer said, it's amazing. We love it. We can't believe what you've done. We've completely run out of our marketing and sales budget, and we can't afford it. <laughs> oh, man. That's how all those projects end, too. Yeah. And that was... <laughs> but we'll still take was, it if you want to give it to us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course. They were like, well, we'd be happy to sh- show them. We're building the model out there already. It's like, that was the whole point. You would have to build a model. Because they had three different model types yeah. at three different levels of finish. With what we were doing, they were going to be able to show a potential buyer any model at any level of finish on the on the golf course they'd be Mm -hmm. able to see what their view would be from each room and how the sun would hit the windows and like it was it was absurd that's big but um when when we didn't have uh the fish bite then and we had two or three other things that we we took some meetings and we got uh you know I think in Silicon Valley, there's an episode called Brain Rape. That was, that was kind of what it, what it was. Basically, they were asking me all these questions. I'm just giving away the farm. Yep. And, uh, and then find out later that they've just, um, uh, you know, integrated a lot of my ideas. They took your ideas version. and ran. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I, I, this, now this is all in 2014, early 15. I mean, it was way, way too early. I mean, if I was doing that stuff now... Uh, and I still am. There's still some some really great potential uh, contracts for us. But I just want I wanted to do these industrial services things as a means to becoming an artist in VR space, and that's what Veer is. Sorry, very long answer to a short question. No, it's well, super cool, super really interesting. Just. I, it'd be, it'd be sort of like if I asked you, hey, tell me about Macrofab. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, but it's cool. Like you got your, you kind of got your hands in a lot of different, uh, different venues. Uh, uh, media. Uh, easily bored. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so Castle Bravo Studios, which is actually where we're sitting. Yes. Um, Have y'all talked? To, y'all talked about we could, we the bomb about shelter a little bit. bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, the first time we introduced it, it was just the bomb shelter. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then a couple episodes later, it got its official name, and we announced it then. Yeah. Um, basically, it's the old post office, and it's the actual bomb shelter at the post office. It's not a really good bomb shelter because <laughs> there's a window right there. Well, there wasn't. Ori- <laughs> there wasn't originally. It was. It was cut. <laughs> Post Civil Defense Commission, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not, post nineteen sixty five or something like that. I would imagine post uh, fall of post the Soviet Glasnost, Union. So yeah, like 80, yeah, what eighty nine, eighties. Who knows? This building has lots of secrets. Um, but it, but but you you have informed them that the the studio is in what was a official civil defense bomb shelter, complete oh, yes, with yes. the yes. canisters and everything. Right. Yeah, and um, but now it's underneath a. Parking ramp, right? Right. A parking yes. ramp. <laughs> um, that, uh, nah, nah, never mind. Um, so, Castle Barber Studios, 
what do you all do here? Like a lot of recording, that kind of stuff. A lot of recording. Um, we do video stuff too. We did a lot of the the uh, FX Dev board sh- shot yeah, sh- was shot here. Shots here. Um, um, and then the equipment that's actually behind you and yes. in front of us for a change. Rig Astley is yes. his name. Really? Rig? Yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I did. I I've I've known Josh for a while. I did not know. Is it really? Uh, yes. I mean, that's incredible. That is that is amazing. I did not know that. This is technically Rig Astley 2.0, but. Oh, okay. Is one rig and the other one? No, no. Like, like the, its name is, oh, rig, is whole, rig as, 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 as a whole. Yeah. Well, can you describe it for the listeners? Like, what's going on here? Yes, it, this this studio is basically a collection of gear. It's not a building. So we're, we're set up in this bomb shelter, and we have done a lot of work to to remodel it and everything. But the the vision of this studio. Uh, is to be a collection of gear that is as portable as a large-scale recording studio can be. And this went back to literally the very first date my wife and I had. She had just finished her her schooling in sound engineering school. She'd done a project on uh, recording um, setups for, for going sort of into, you know, into the wild and getting, you know, uh, Native peoples and 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 sort of folk music recorded like in villages and and stuff mm. like that. Um, and and then it started. I said, well, you know, I, I love that idea too. I just I don't like the idea of being limited to really crummy gear. And that and so that that started to that started a conversation about well, how great of a studio could you put into a portable scenario and. And we started thinking about the way that they build um, touring rigs and, and what an ATA-style flight case is and what's required with the shock mounting and the casters and all that stuff. And how much gear could you put, you know, you can't, you couldn't really feasibly have a, a large format recording console, but nobody's really using those anymore unless they just want the eye candy. I mean, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. I have to stop you now. Yeah. You talked about all this on your first date, first date. with your wife? First date. That's that's that is love at first sight. Right yes, there. Is. <laughs> yes, <it> is. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Talking indeed. about nerdy flight cases and recording gear on your first date. Oh, dude, we talk. Okay, the first three conversations. I I promise you this is true. The first three conversations I remember having on our first date, and it was actually the first time we hung out, were um, in this order, I believe. Tesla, uh, ribbon mics. And Led Zeppelin, and and when I when I arrived to the place where we were going to meet, she is a leggy, stunning, blonde, cowboy boot wearing, camel cigarette smoking, sitting on the trunk of a '66 Mustang. I like, like, I'm that, toast. That's, that's the kind of thing where you, where you look around and you find some way that you can craft a ring at that moment. Like <laughs> I must, like. <laughs> With this bottle cap found in <laughs> Mama's Cafe parking lot. Um, so we, we talked about it for a long time, and then we were doing some, uh, a lot of recording out at our studio in the Hill Country. And a friend of ours had a ranch out there, and she had this amazing barn that was brought down from upstate New York, taken apart and put back together down here. And it was this killer thing and she was uh, we asked her if i could do some pre-production on a record there and she said sure and she said hey this is great why don't we do this all the time so she had kind of 
you know, she and I together had kind of put together this rig that, that was based on those early conversations that could have road case lids put on it in 20 minutes and the whole thing disappear into the corner under a storage shed like that for another type of, you know, for a family event or something that she was going to be doing in the barn. Mm. So we, we put all that together. It's been refined over the years, but I mean, it's, it's, it's got, um, each case is hooked up to the others via big multi cores that like you, you can go from truck to recording in probably about two hours. And it's, and, and, and I've done master, uh, you know, master recordings for, uh, Atlantic and Columbia. I mean, every major label that I've worked for has been fine with the product that we've come up it's, with. Out it, of this it, it's funny because you, you go to you go to a fully established uh, studio, and uh, you'd be lucky if you start recording within two hours. You know, oh, exactly. totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just patching and setting up the microphones. Oh, but yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. we tried to make it really quick, and and you know, we we the, the we have. As y'all know, but listeners don't, we have three young sons. Um, one is very young. He's just turned two. But uh, still, the, the kind of fantasy goal is to, when he's, you know, when they're a little bit older, put everything in a box truck and go wherever an artist wants to go. Oh, I, th- I thought you were going to say do like some kind of like family band like that. Well, it's a family band of, of, of you know, recordists, uh, recorders that basically an artist says, well, you know, I'm most inspired on a, you know, a mountain cabin or a beach house or, you know, a, the Taj Mahal. If you have power, we can record there and it can sound really good. And, That's and, we'll, super cool. and we, you know, want to also have all of the stuff needed to just kind of very quickly throw up on the walls and do baffling and, and have, you know, control sound and, and that if need be. But the coolest thing is with this, with this concept, you just have to roll with what's there. Mm. The sound of the space is character. Sure. Mm-hmm. Studios go through great expense to take all the character out of a room. Mm-hmm. And I promise you the listener does not get any value out of that at all well but but that goes back to what i was mentioning earlier about perfection in 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 sound and one way to get that is to clean the slate to basically start with distilled water in a way and then build (laughs) everything from there if you start from zero you can make anything but you lose a lot of character well that's the thing is is well I'm, i'm going off that point is um because steven and i both this is completely off topic Steve and I both homebrew. Right. And he started, Steven started doing water treatments. He'll start with distilled water and then add the right minerals for the right thing. And I'm like, spring water from Kroger. Just dump it in. (laughs) (laughs) For the longest time, I just brewed with Houston water. And I I did notice, though, the actually buying spring water from Kroger is actually is tastier. I haven't had any of Steven's beer since he's done, like, I'm, I'm mineral in, in stuff, two weeks. I have I have some beer fermenting right now. In two weeks, uh, I'm bringing some growlers to the podcast, so uh, we we will be able to taste some some homebrew. And and in fact, a funny enough, complete like I'm going to tangent your tangent here, in a way. Uh, but, Sorry, but, Josh. but I love but no, no, no. Hey, I I, yeah. I am ADD. This is marvelous. Because no no we have to we have to say this because I still think it's amazing. Um, Parker and I we started brewing 
gosh, like three weeks after I started at MacroFab, exactly. we started yeah, brewing. He came together. over and brewed yeah. a batch of beer. Uh, in fact, yeah, no, the first time like I officially oh, hung brew? out with Parker. You brew, bro? Yeah. I brew. You brew, bro? You brew, bro? I brew, too, bro. And we went to Kroger to buy water, and this was actually near a time that Houston was having uh, severe weather. Yep. And, uh, and oh, they said, don't they, drink the water. No, no, no. They had, they had, they brought in water to our, our local grocery store and it was in these cardboard boxes and it was called Dr. Hurricane water. Dr. Hurricane water. And you know what? Wow. It made some damn good beer. It makes pretty good it beer. It makes really good beer. And they Dr. still Hurricane stock also it now. Makes and it's funny because it comes in a three band. pack. It's a cardboard box with three gallons of water in so it. it and it's like grab. a dollar or something like that. It's like that. a dollar for three yeah, gallons for, of water. For some damn good Dr. Hurricane Dr. water. Dr. Hurricane. So let's reel the tangent back here okay I love it. that's great <laughs> um so back to the gear yeah it's behind behind you in front of us yes um so our our listeners what time are we at it's 605 okay it's okay um we'll just keep going um so our listeners will know that we have your space echo yes the re201 where why where did you get that piece of equipment and why was it in such a sorry state when we got it? Well, that's my excuse the reason why you don't have it back. Yet. Why is well, it still in such a sorry state? Yeah, why is it, still, <laughs> it doesn't every, work now. Every <laughs> piece of mechanical gear from studios from the '70s, if it's not been maintained, excuse me, regularly, it's not in going to be in good shape. Same with tape machines. Yeah, it is a tape machine. Yeah, it is is technically a tape machine. I mean, a, a tape machine that's not been serviced at all in 40 years is not usable at all. Um, I actually used it for a while when I got it, and then only when I gave it to you had it stopped working completely. But <laughs> oh, so it's our fault. It stopped no, no, working no, no, after no. you gave no, it no, to no, us. No, no, I gave it to you because saying? it stopped working completely. <laughs> but it but it worked for a little while, which was was amazing considering the state it was in. But what what's great, and I don't know if you've covered this, but you know the RE two hundred one is a tabletop machine yeah. it was never intended to be rack mounted That's yet right. somebody just screwed yeah. some pieces of <laughs> sheet, metal. sheet metal onto each side and drew holes uh, drilled holes in that and called it rack ears yeah and it's it's a real abomination but i i it gave it some character too and everyone was like dude you got a rack mounted space i go like not really like well, so, we, I guess we kind of took some of that character away then. <laughs> no, no, you gave it all the character. Like from what I've heard, like this, this is going to be the greatest space echo ever. It does work, and it has fine gold caps in it. Now. Yeah, fine gold Nick uh, Nikon caps. Oh, that's right. I mean, I'm just going to keep believing y'all that it works <laughs> and that it's still around. The, 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 <laughs> the problem with it now is when you turn it on, the mode select doesn't work. <laughs> It basically let's, that's wait, no, no, let's choose our words properly here because okay. the owner of the Space Echo is, 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 is listening to us right now. It's not that it doesn't work. It's just not it is pre, properly it is, calibrated. It's yeah. pre-functioning. Pre, yeah, yes, pre-functioning. there we go. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, I think I have two wires miscrossed up on it right now. These are, these are what Parker is saying is alternative facts to, <laughs> to the operation of the RE201. Yeah. Hey, you know what? I Like, like, the thing is that that I I'm such a sucker for hype that at this point, <laughs> no matter what it sounds like, it's going to sound like the greatest thing ever. The best thing about this, <laughs> you is know this, what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, like I, done. Do. I don't I don't hate hype. I don't hate overmarketed things. I, yeah. So in in the sense that we're all, a year ish 
Yeah, it's getting there. I'm yeah. crossing my fingers on that. I, I believe this will be the most stunning space egg of all time. The, the best thing is it's actually at the fab now. Right. And so we have old equipment. All Which seems like is, a little bit of a step backwards. Or like, like it's gone from like outpatient to like ICU. <laughs> Like, well, no, it does. It, it turns <laughs> on. Wait, but, but you can smoke. think about this. ICU patients get taken care of more quickly. <laughs> and then they have to go back to outpatient. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it, it turns on. It didn't release the smoke. Um, it actually, the reverb works pretty well. Okay. Every function uh, actually works it's just not calibrated and that's not me being politically correct with your gear here it's it's it's, it's literally there's some tr- there's some trim pots inside that in fact we even had a podcast about yeah, this yeah, like, like two months ago yeah, we, we have to turn we have to plug in uh, some function generators turn some pots and then give it to josh yeah, like this yeah. is what we need and to the best do. thing is we did have an old, he's probably listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. An old gray beard actually be like, this is how you do it. Right. <laughs> yes. It if awesome. you're out there, sir, can you call uh, Macrofab yeah. uh, Incorporated? The number is 555 uh, <laughs> Just anything else. Yeah. Yeah, anything else. <laughs> Extension. Well, then at some point it became 0199. Do you notice this? At some point it went from being 555 whatever to 555-0199. Oh, really? I saw that in like at least 10 movies. No lie. Maybe a listener will know why. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Write in if you know. Okay. We'll get slightly back on topic. Okay. Um, favorite piece, piece of gear besides the Space Echo that's in this, what you're using right now? Well, that's sort of like what's your favorite thing in life. Like, I, like I have categories. So my favorite microphone, and I am not kidding, is the microphone you hear me on now. And it was made by my dear friends, Parker Delman. Stephen Craig as a Christmas present. I've used it nonstop. It's an unbelievable tube mic that has more gain than I've ever seen on a microphone. You don't even need a preamp. I'll repeat that. You don't need a preamp for this microphone. I've never heard of that. You you told me that that's like not a big deal. That's a big deal. <laughs> like if you if I said, look, my car doesn't have wheels and it drives. Like it's not a big deal. Like every microphone needs a mic preamp. Like right. in anyway. Um, you put I a love preamp this on mic. this thing and you're just gonna get buzz. You're just Dude, gonna I got a pad and like hell. no added gain and it's still probably clipping. Yeah, th- I'm not this, looking at the meters by. So I have um, I have this same mic myself. I I built myself a copy years and years ago this is the first mic i've ever used that i had to reduce the input level to be acceptable (laughs) and 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 you know as our as your listeners will probably know if you if you take out the mic pre you take out all those gain stages you have what is effectively a noiseless microphone it is crazy quiet and it it's incredibly dynamic the color's great i love it and it's gold well, and 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 here's, and here's color. the thing. In color, <laughs> if if you it's can, made of gold color in in audio, the in general the the kind of concept that works the best is where do you put the gain? You have in your rigs. I'm looking at the rigs right now. There's there's probably literally hundreds of different ways that you can add gain to the signal throughout all of these paths, uh, including 
analog and digital before before it even reaches your 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 recording interface there's ways in terms for of you sequence to variations there are i would say in the quadrillions of yeah, possibilities right yeah but the very sweet. best place especially for a microphone the best place to put the gain is as close to the actual source right. as possible That's so right. if you put as much gain inside the microphone you don't have to gain it later on you get the best signal source and the lowest noise when you do that. And what's great about that is I, I've played a lot with compressing very loud gains in the past. Mm -hmm. Compressing it hard. So you play, so you speak or sing or, or play an instrument incredibly softly, compress the crap out of it, and you get, you know, I'm talking about compressing the death out of some well, multiple you compressors. You end up obliterating your, 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 uh, your range when you do that. But that's the point. Yeah. The point the point being that that you do I mean like I've literally recorded myself rubbing my fingers together mm -hmm. and compressing it really hard because that creates a sound that nothing else can. Yeah. And and you get this kind of otherworldly sound when you do stuff like that. So anyway, the point being I I have always run into the noise problem when you do that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't gotten to play around that with that technique that much with your mic yet, but I'm um excited to do so. Um Pandering done. Um, uh, moving on, my favorite mic pre is definitely going to be the Groove Tubes Vipri, which we were talking about a little bit, but I don't know if I told you why I love it so much. Yeah, no, uh, en enlighten us. So the, the Groove Tubes was a company of really, really, uh, let's say, passionate guys that made a completely uh, impractical product for the market. It has a preposterous amount of hand wiring for one mic preamp one channel of mic preamp it is four rack spaces it does no, three three rack spaces it does nothing other than preamplify your microphone it's it a has beast. no eq yeah. it has no compression no dynamics has nothing it is enormous it's 45 pounds 45 <laughs> 45 pounds mic preamp for yeah. a single mic preamp so i have two of them how much power does that take I don't know. That, we, that, that would be a great thing at some other point to look into yeah, the Vipri. But the Vi in the Vipri stands for variable impedance. Oh. And you have four impedance selections. So you match the impedance of the microphone to the preamp, and you get, you basically have four mic pre's and one colored by their voltage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the impedance of their voltage. That's a huge thing. And, and you know, they say, well, you know, Say Bono uses a SM57 for his vocals. Well, that sounds great. Why does it sound like doo-doo when I do it? Because their mic pre's that they use for his vocals are, you know, whatever that's going to be, 600 ohms, you know. Right. It's, it's actually matched. It's matched to a SM57. So you can get way more out of all the mics you have by having this. Anyway, it's crazy expensive. They, when they broke, they were uh, amazing. They didn't break that all that often. Um, but when they did, it was a major pain. Groove tubes. Uh, I think they discontinued it before they sold out to. Fen well, no, they sold to Fender, and Fender discontinued it immediately. <laughs> and uh, they, they didn't look under the hood before they bought them. <laughs> no, well, I'm yeah. sure they did, and they went, "Wow, that's great, guys!" And we're not selling that. Yeah, this is a wank fest. Um, yeah, I'm real, real, real proud of real proud of your nerd your nerddom, but yeah. we need we got a business here, and it's real sad. So I have, I I can't recommend those. You, and you have two of them. I have two of them, I do. They are gorgeous. And above them are the uh, Thermionic Culture, the Rooster, with two-channel uh, channel strips 
made by tube nerds in London. I should you should take a look at that at some other point. Too. I I've, I've spent uh, I've spent uh, quite a bit of time looking at those. I've never heard them, but uh, I've been here enough to. I have to finish wiring <laughs> the new version. <laughs> That's something else we have to talk about. Yeah, no, these, these racks, the back of them is it's kind of a. It will, the thing well, is, these, the multi cores are are wired for a three case configuration. We're in a two case configuration right now. Well, um, the, these things could be an absolute nightmare when it comes to wiring, and you've wrangled them fairly well. Uh, yeah, for, before for we were here, have. they were. It was great. I mean, yeah. there's a guy in Nashville named Jeff Nolte. He has a great company called OCD Labs, that, <laughs> and I believe he actually what a, what has a great a what a great place to disorders. wire things for you. That's why he's so good at it. Yeah, because I think he suffers from like type one OCD and yeah. loves a loom and a soldering gun, and he's great, really great at it, and made all these looms. And I, I got a buddy of mine who, when he wires circuits, uh, he he's not an engineer. Uh, he, I think he, he has an, a degree in finance and, but when he gets down to wiring circuits, cause he, he just does it for fun. This is the guy that will bend nineties in, in all of his wires and make everything flawless. And if that wire even looks slightly off of 90, he will scrap the entire thing and restart. Whoa. You know, he's, he's one of those guys that's just ridiculously OCD and he'll do this on a wire that like, goes off to an LED. You know, so it doesn't. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not going to affect anything else in the circuit, but you know, it really does make a difference. Has to be perfect. Yeah, has to be perfect. Got to be pro. Got to be, be pro, pro. bro. That's a callback from a previous episode. There. <laughs> We're starting to do in jokes on our podcast now. <laughs> okay, uh, I guess moving on. Let's see. Do um. So that's enough about, I guess, Castle Bravo, right? Is there yeah. anything else you um, random tidbits you want to add? No, I, not necessarily. I, I'd, I'd like to thank you and Stephen for helping me uh, with the electrical. That's here. actually what I was about to say. Is um, how how did we start recording the map with you? Well, Stephen, because I know Stephen knew you. Yeah, Stephen and I had known each other for a little bit before that. And, and did, did he just come to you and was just like, Yeah, well, I, yeah, he said. You know, we're we're doing this podcast and and we're just kind of doing our own, but maybe it'd sound better if we were in a studio. And I was like, yeah, you know, so I remember the first episode we ever did with you, and that was the, in my opinion, the worst episode. Than that. <laughs> well, um, I'm glad you came back. I think it was then. like episode five or six. It's hmm. like it's 15 minutes long, and Stephen did not laugh at any of my jokes. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. It was, and we didn't have we didn't have anything to drink there either. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. I think I think we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a it's been a it's been a really interesting year of me either sleeping or hearing things that I truly do not know what y'all are talking about. <laughs> I, there's all these terms and buzzwords at this point that that I know you're going to say, but I have still have no idea what they mean. <laughs> That's all part of the fun. I know. Oh, yeah. It's great. I um projects you like the most like you've done that you like the most and if it's separate proud of the most. Well, um, they might be three the same project. <laughs> yes. Yeah. People making. Um Again, it's it's hard to sort of single out but the, the types of projects I like the most are the where there are 
um, a large number of very talented people in their respective fields. Play lots of great players, great with great songs being sung by a great singer or good rapper or whatever it is. I just I like talent a lot, and and um, you know I. I do spend a fair amount of time by myself, either mixing or, you know, adding tracks or whatever. And, and that's, that's fine. That's fun to some degree, but the, the experience of being with a bunch of, uh, creative people is, is hard to beat. Um, I don't know if that, that's a real open-ended answer to your question, but no, that's perfectly fine. Well, without, without dropping names. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, and, and, and I mean, just between, Myself and Josh and even the three of us here, we've we've drummed up many projects that are here for the potential in the future. Yep. Uh, even even stuff that that just affects the the room that we're in right now. Yes, indeed. Um, and potentially even some cool stuff with the building that we're in right now. So. That would be a great thing to bring to the podcast at some point to discuss the like the installation stuff like that and get you know sort of crowd source ideas on i mean because some of the stuff we talked about i think is really pretty groundbreaking and could, yeah. be, could be fun but it to me a group of talented people is so much more impressive than some you know lone ranger uh especially when it comes to art now with with engineering that's another thing mm. i'm far less impressed with a group of engineers than i am with like a single dude who like cobbled together this thing you well know. you know nasa puts a thing out in space or one guy puts a thing out in space <laughs> there's there's a difference <laughs> there right true true <laughs> but like going back to like palmer lucky like he did as a kid in a garage what the whole of technologists pursuing virtual reality could not had not done in 30 years of trying that's impressive yeah i think with that, it was just the right combo of tech finally hit catching up. Uh, the sensors, yes, but I mean, what like like what he did, as I understand it, was not the reason. The reason that he that was the optics. It was the, the 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 lenses, but his ability to design the algorithms for the threading of the GPU that would allow for him to to get the most real estate out of or or, or to maximize a low number of pixels, that was how he got his price point down. He could use a 720p display right in front of his face. He used the, the lenses to squeeze as many pixels into the focal, the focal point to, to increase uh, resolution where at, at, at right where you're looking, and then it, it sort of slowly pixelates out from field of view. That's genius. I mean, that's like... And people, well, that, that replicates what your lenses, eyeballs do. Yeah, yeah. It basically basically was a, an analog of of your eyes, and no, and and yes, there. I mean, the lens the lens technologies. I understand it was not the thing that necessarily had come to fore that allowed them to do it. I mean, part of it was the processing GPUs were able to render seventy p, you know, uh, of the uh, uh, stereoscopically w- without it being like you know a super GPU or whatever. But anyway, I digress. Sure. <laughs> no, no, no. Parker's closest no, laptop. Well, no, we hit, we hit yeah. the end. So we're at we're, oh, we're uh, free, free time now. Oh. Well, well, and, well and I, yeah. So, so something actually uh, hopping back one 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 thing. Uh, I think it's it's kind of important to note. We were, you know you you were talking about uh, you see a team of engineers doing something and you're you're 
somewhat less impressed than one engineer accomplishing the same goal. That's not fair, I suppose. Well, well, but no, but but what I'm what I want to say is the 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 uh, analog of that kind of backwards. When you see a team of creatives actually create something, mm. that is so impressive. Yeah. One guy creating something apart. exactly. <laughs> It is so hard to get creatives into a room and get them to agree on something. You know what? That's interesting. Well, it, it is in the se- in in the case of technology and engineering. It's the opposite with music. That's mm. the whole point. Mm. Like if, if 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 you're if you're a musician not agreeing with the music being made, you will be asked to leave immediately. Like, well, because but, but, that's the whole like the the fundamental function is cooperation. But that's not necessarily the case with engineering. I see what you're saying that mm. that's a feat well, to get people well, yeah, to lay aside their own. Yeah, because with engineering ideas. you have a quanta you have a you have a you have a quantitative thing that you can say this is why. This way is correct, right? Whereas with music and art and other thing and stuff like that, it's 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 correct because everybody feels it feels that right. way, right? So it's slightly different. Well, there. And well, you spend and less time debating the quantitative yeah. uh, or quality or qualitative, yeah, qualitative uh, yeah, aspects yeah. of a particular view on how you, you should. But, do but in yeah. some cases, the the qualitative and quantitative goes entirely out the window. Right. Uh, even even to what we were talking about earlier with the, the groove tubes preamps. You like them, but there's millions of other, not millions, but there's, there's plenty of other preamps out there that do the same thing qualitatively, uh, right? In terms of if you well, just looked on a piece of paper. I don't know paper, of anything else that has made a single mic pre that you can change the impedance. I'm not aware of anything else that does that well okay but but uh, but i guess i guess uh more more uh simply on a on a piece of paper you have something that takes in a signal and makes it larger by right. some amount that's a, okay that's, yeah. that's 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 i mean there's nothing special there about what um, it's doing fundamentally right yes. but but somehow but but it has some characteristics that you like yeah. that's the name you know again yeah, yeah, groove tubes yeah that's <laughs> that's it that's, that's the it. worst thing about it yeah. truly and I, okay so funny story about that the the guy uh one of the guys who uh worked at at um, groove tubes he he wrote a book on on tube amps and guys super cool but in terms of of people who qualitative and quantitative goes out the window this guy's got to be the king of it uh i've never met a more opinionated or, or sorry, I should. I've never read more opinionated articles on audio gear than this individual. Wow! Every page of his book is like, you know, he will give you the history of a company, and and it's literally just the history. But somehow he weaves into that history. Here's why I don't like them, you know, and here's why they suck. And then and then it's that way because like, a true it is. engineer then. Well, yeah, yeah, no, he's or a musician. We're full circle. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's 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 what makes an engineer is you have an opinion. Oh, yeah, and and that opinion is rock is solid. Rock solid and may not be challenged. Right. right. Uh, hey, I, that's that's who that's who I am when it comes to things not non musical. Yeah. I mean, I was about to, I was about to uh, throw down with y'all over some of our Star Wars. Conversation points. I, it got it got it got heated at points. Got heated at points. Oh, oh yeah, it was good. I got a little. Uh, wow, I got a little out of hand. I'm, I'm offended here. Yeah. <laughs> and if those that, that you know just started listening to us, go check out that YouTube video. 
the yeah the YouTube video or the four separate podcasts. Four separate podcasts. Get us into the three digits on view count, please. Yeah, yeah, right. Instead of two. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of the, just barely the, breaking the, two. The audio, the audio did pretty good. The audio for the podcast. You know, the did audio really did, well. did really great. We had we had many many times our normal listens yeah. uh, due to that. So. Yeah. It's just uh, is that because there were four parts to it. I think it was four parts. <laughs> oh yeah, there no, were four it, times as many listeners. Yeah, right, yeah. right. If <laughs> you release that, four podcasts in one day, the same people will listen to all four <laughs> of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been great. I'm glad I could replace your guest. Well, thank you for for, for uh, volunteering. Actually. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, it was fantastic. Anytime. Yeah. And I'm sure there is plenty more in the future that we could do. Oh yeah, hey, I can, I can, and I can. I really am dying at some point to start just heckling conversations that y'all are having that I'm not really invited into. I'm oh, doing that in my mind all the time. You, well, and you used zingers. to do that more often. Yeah, you used we to do used it to hear time. you in the background. Uh, well, you I, sleep more often now. More <laughs> well, tired. So he's now. just dreaming of heckling us. Oh, yeah. right. There we go. Yeah, I'm just thinking about one-liners from my eyes. Well, how about how about the, in the momentous podcast where we deliver the space echo oh, yes, fully yes, calibrated yes. to you, uh, we can we can have you back on and, and talk about it. Happy to do. There so. be another year <laughs> <laughs> coming, twenty nineteen. That's two years. Space echo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Space echo twenty eighteen. <laughs> yeah, you have to get it done. Uh, this by summer. the two year anniversary. Let's go the for two year that. Anniversary <laughs> by episode fifty four. 104 how many weeks in anyway yeah yeah too much beer for math <laughs> oh boy well would you like to sign us out sure uh this has been the macrofab engineering podcast i was your replacement guest josh and we're your host parker dolman and Stephen craig later everyone take it easy you gonna say anything josh uh well i hadn't prepared peace there you go <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>